How could teachers teach kids to remove the fear of managing money? You know what? I thought a lot about this. It was kind of, it's kind of a difficult question because for several reasons why I think this is a little difficult. While you're teaching younger students what money is, it's easy to teach them how to count it and identify it and add and subtract. That's easy because they get, they're excited about it. However, you don't really know about money and how things actually start at home. So for example, like a teacher has no real idea like how a family deals with their money. They may be a family that whatever their child asks for, they get, or there might be really big struggles at home and you don't understand and they have limited resources. So you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? So it's a very difficult question with younger kids. Some kids get allowance. Some kids, it's part of their everyday life. Like, for example, with my kids, they don't get an allowance. However, they're expected to do specific chores and then they can use the money to go to the movies. Mm -hmm. So it, that one is hard for lower elementary, I would say. Um, also, parents can be long-term savers. They could be great at that. And you could have other ones that live month to month and you don't know their stress. You don't know when we say, oh, we got a new, uh, a new baseball bat. And someone else is like, oh man, I've been waiting for a baseball bat. So I think for lower elementary, it's kind of hard. It would be really cool if they had a curriculum that we could use for low, lower elementary kids where it would make them feel comfortable and not feel, as you were saying, nervous about managing their money, but also. What if you were the living embodiment of all pervasive peace? What if all sentient beings all around you increase their vibration towards harmony by merely being in your contact? What if through conscious reasoning, focused will, and intentional living, you reform yourself, thereby becoming a catalyst in sparking transformation in others. I'm Shilpa Lewis, meditation, mindset, and mindfulness coach for midlife mompreneurs, and you are listening to Omnipresent Awareness, the podcast that will inspire you to use your story to serve humanity in not just healing but thriving as souls, each fulfilling their highest purpose. Namaste. Thanks for tuning in to Omnipresent Awareness. This is your host, Shilpa Lewis, and welcome back. Okay, so I'm running a little challenge as I'm trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the conversations that inspire those who value personal growth. And the best way to do that is to leave reviews. You can leave a review on Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. So here is a little request from me to you. If you feel like you have received any value at all from these episodes, then please write a little review and take a screenshot of your review. Once you've done that, email that screenshot to me at omnimindfulness at gmail.com. Once I get your screenshot, you will receive one of my infographics. Spark your meditation practice through Sankalpa. Sankalpa is the Sanskrit word for intention setting. Along with this, you will receive a link to my guided meditation where you can daily practice intention setting with some inspirational music and breath work. This infographic, along with the guided meditation, is guaranteed to have you start your practice 
for meditation with a spark. It is my gift for you for being a listener, being a supporter, and of course, for you to be able to manifest the best meditation practice. So thank you for showing up, listening, and being inspired, and most importantly, taking action. I appreciate you. So again, please don't forget to take a screenshot of your review and send it to omnimindfulness at gmail.com and I will send you that infographic and the link to the guided meditation. We are now in the season of Seeds of Abundance, which is our third podcast season honoring spring, new mindsets, and abundance. The season will cover mindful money mindset movement and healing, law of attraction, and embracing the feminine energy. And welcome back, sweet souls. Today's podcast is so special to me as it debuts my son Omni's first solo podcast, which I will co-host with him and allow him to guide the questions. Greetings. I'm your co-host, Omni Valentino Lewis. I'm nine years old in third grade, and this is my first podcast series. On this podcast, I have a conversation with my amazing third grade school teacher, Mrs. Krepsaw, on the topic of mindfulness and money. And it just so happens that this episode is being released during Teachers Appreciation Month. I would like to take a moment to express how much I appreciate Mrs. Krupsal for taking time out of her schedule to have a conversation about what mindfulness and money means to her. Erin Krupsal is a native of San Carlos, California, located on the peninsula of San Francisco Bay Area. Ms. Krupsal graduated from Chico State University with a degree in liberal arts. Directly following graduation, she entered a dual certificate program, earning her multiple subject teaching credentials with an emphasis in English language arts and a master's in education from National University in San Jose, California. After completing her teaching credentials and her graduate studies, Erin married her college sweetheart, Seth Krupsaw, and moved to San Diego County, where she began to substitute teach in several districts around the county. Ms. Krepsaw was hired in the San Marcos Unified School District in 2021. She has taught grades kindergarten through third grade at the La Costa Meadow Elementary School in Carlsbad, where she has worked for the past 20 years. In addition, she has been a part of countless committees as a leader and representative for both the San Marcos School District and La Costa Meadow Elementary School. Erin and her husband are raising three wonderful children, Grace, 16, Claire, 15, and Drew, 13. Her hobbies include reading, traveling, watching movies, hiking, and spending time with family and friends. Ms. Krebsaw continues to enjoy teaching and is a lifelong learner. And for all you listeners out there, listen all the way through. I take a moment to share my money-saving technique, which I learned from the author of My Money Bunnies. And you can learn more about Mike and his book, My Money Bunny, in my joint podcast this month with Tyler. So stay tuned. (laughs) And now, our conversation with Mrs. Krupsaw. 
Hi, Mrs. Krebsall. Thank you for being here. Oh, Thank you for being here. We are so excited. So without further ado, we would like to have Omni guide you through a short meditation. Omni, why don't you go ahead and share with us how you would get into meditation, and I will help with the breathing. You first just put your hands on your thighs, and then you just close your eyes for a minute. I'm taking a deep breath in, all the way to the top, holding and release gently as you breathe, relaxing from head all the way down to your toes. Relaxing your shoulders and relaxing your lower abdomen and just allowing the energy of the earth grounding you. Take a deep breath in as you open your eyes. You want to talk about setting your intention? He, has a, he set an intention for what he'd like to achieve for his conversation. And this one would be about how kids can be more mindful about money. My first question for you is, what made you want to become a teacher? You know, Omni, there's so many reasons, but several of the main things that made me want to become a teacher, first of all, my two older sisters are actually teachers, which is kind of cool. One teaches at middle school and the other one is an elementary teacher. Um, my dad, before he passed away, he was a collegiate coach, so he coached in college, but he coached us all growing up. And it was lovely because he didn't have the best childhood, but he was the most amazing dad. And he was a supporter of all kids. So he really became a mentor to other people. So that was something that I thought I could do through teaching. Um, another really impactful situation is I'm dyslexic. So that means I have a learning disability. And as a kid, it was definitely a struggle. I worked really hard, but the stuff that I was doing, I worked so hard, it should have taken probably half the time. So once we figured that out, I went to a great school in the summer and I learned lots of great ways to be able to retrain my brain. And I felt like it would be an awesome idea to be able to work with kids who don't always get things as easily as everyone else. And I think that's important because we don't, earn, we don't learn things right away, right? So it was something I wanted to do to make other students realize that everything we can do, we can work towards effort and trying our best so that way we could be successful. Um, and then I had two really amazing teachers. My third grade teacher, her name is Mrs. Picard, and actually my other sister, she too, actually speaks about how much we loved her and we thought she hung the moon. She was amazing and she always made us want to come to school. Even if things were hard, she had, you know, let us do projects. And even if I struggled, I still felt confident and I knew that she liked me. And I think that was fun for me. And then I had a great teacher in sixth grade and her name was Mrs. Mueller. And she really worked a lot on responsibility and being able to know that I could do it myself without my parents' help. So I think that that was a really important part. But I definitely love sports and projects and I like to work hard. So setting goals and doing that at school was something that I like to do, kind of like you do. So that's pretty much why I would like to be a teacher. So That's such a noble cause. And I also <laughs> love the fact that mentorship is so close to your heart. Yeah, I love that. I mean, honestly, that's we're really lucky to have a father who changed his way. Well, he didn't have always the best things in his life. He never complained. He just said, hey, I'm going to do it the other way. And he was a great, and people have still talked to him to, about him this to this day. So it means a lot to us too. Absolutely. That is such a strong component of self-growth. Thank you for sharing that story. 
My second question for you is, how did you save money when you were younger? Well, actually, you and I kind of talked about this the other day. I did have a piggy bank and I loved my piggy bank because it was my own and I didn't have to share it with my siblings. So being the youngest of four kids, um, when I was growing up, our parents stressed the importance of working for our own money and not always taking things from other people, especially because I think now as an adult, I realized they probably struggled with money more than I knew. Um, my mom actually worked at Bank of America. So for years, Ever since I knew, she had already opened a savings account for us. So it was always known that you would take whatever you got. If you earned some money, you could you could save some and that would go in the bank and then you could keep some at home if you wanted to buy something. Usually we worked on buying big ticket items. So something that we had put a goal to, for example, if we wanted a new pair of shoes that our parents said, no, we already bought you your school shoes. So if we wanted something, it would be, we had to earn that type of money. So that was important for us. Um, he, one really cool thing is my dad used to teach us how to count our money, but then we would have to roll it into, uh, and take it to the bank when it was rolled up. And then whatever money that we had saved change wise, and that would go into our bank, but it was a fun experiment and exciting, exciting for us to work with our dad like that, because it definitely taught us the amounts of money and how much, when you look at it, it looks like so much. And then when you put it, roll it into the dollars, you're like, oh, that's only $2, but it looked like so much more money. So that was a really important part of that. I think um, allowing ourselves to spend a little bit made saving a lot easier than it does if you say, I have to save everything and then you so, you're so nervous to ever use your money. Um, at times, like we would do lots of different jobs. I mean, our parents were like, we played lots of sports, but you could, well, we used to wrap presents and walk dogs and babysit and organize people's houses and clean houses and do anything we could, yard work, anything we could do to earn money also made us feel good, wash cars, but we were also working hard for our money. And when it's your own money, you tend to not spend it as frivolously as you would if it was your parents. So I think that's one part um, that helped us because we knew that, you know what, if I'm going to go there and I'm going to go buy a new shirt, I'm going to make sure I'm going to wear it instead of just buying it and putting it in my closet because it looks cool. Because if you pay for it with your own money, it makes a bigger difference, right? And I'd say lastly, one thing we also did have at the time that a lot of times people gave you birthday checks. So with the birthday check, my mom would always work at the bank. So at that time you had to go turn your, you didn't just get to take a picture of it. You would have to go into the bank. So she would only give us a portion of it. So you would be like, oh, I don't have enough to buy anything right now. So we'd have to continue to earn it. So we had a good little nest egg later on when we needed it. So that's kind of what worked well for us as kids. That's wonderful that saving was automatically part of the process right there. Yeah, and I think it was probably by them growing up with not very much money as well. So I think they were like, the only way to get started is if somebody helps you because either you save it all and you don't do anything fun or you spend it all and then you don't have anything left. So I think they set a really good example from their past experiences, which probably weren't that positive. So I think that they helped us realize that everything we earned is important to practice what you preach and try to do your best as you could as a kid, not, not overspending, not doing on things that didn't really matter. And I think that that was a good way for them to help us. Absolutely. I feel like it's a whole different generation where they had hardships that we can't really relate to. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think that does the generations of each thing changing, even my own kids, like the look of like, oh, you have to go to the bank and why do you use a check now? Right. So it's a very different lifestyle. It's very different. Even balancing a checkbook is no longer relevant. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. My third question for you is um, how could teachers teach kids to remove the fear of managing money? You know what? I thought a lot about this. It was kind of, it's kind of a difficult question because for several reasons why I think this is a little difficult. While you're teaching younger students what money is, it's easy to teach them how to count it and identify it and add and subtract. That's easy because they get, they're excited about it. However, you don't really know about money and how things actually start at home. So for example, like a teacher has no real idea like how a family deals with their money. They may be a family that whatever their child asks for, they get, or there might be really big struggles at home and you don't understand and they have limited resources. So you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? So it's a very difficult question with younger kids. Some kids get allowance. Some kids, it's part of their everyday life. Like for example, with my kids, they don't get an allowance. However, they're expected to do specific chores and then they can use the money to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. So it, that one is hard for lower elementary, I would say. Um, also, parents can be long-term savers. They could be great at that. And you could have other ones that live month to month and you don't know their stress. You don't know when we say, oh, we got a new, uh, a new baseball bat and someone else is like, oh man, I've been waiting for a baseball bat. So I think for lower elementary, it's kind of hard. It would be really cool if they had a curriculum that we could use for low, lower elementary kids where it would make them feel comfortable and not feel, as you were saying, nervous about managing their money, but also giving them an understanding that there is a positive route to take But the plus about this is my oldest daughter, when you get older, is at San Marcos High School. Her name is Grace, and she's actually taking a personal finance class. And I have to tell you, she definitely is probably one of the kindest people you've ever met, but never really have dealt with knowing what you were doing with money. So this year, she's working specifically on, she had to look at her tax returns. She has to ask, um, she started driving, so now she has to provide all the information on how much an insurance costs and things like that. So that is a plus that as they get older, there's options. But for little kids, I definitely feel it is a struggle because I want them to be comfortable without putting too much stress on them to wonder where their money's coming from. So hopefully in high school, we could figure something out. But <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, I think the fear factor starts when they're a little bit older, when they actually need to engage with responsibility. But at this age, what he's getting to learn might implicitly help with that fear factor, which is uh, dividing the money into different sections. Like this is, why don't you tell her your different jars? Well, I I made jars to organize my money. I made a Sometimes jar, a anytime jar, and a one-time jar. Oh, that's so cool. What would you use for the one-time jar? Hmm. Maybe something I really want and I'm saving up for. Yeah. Oh, some a big, so kind of like my big ticket item, right? But that's yep. a great idea because you're putting it in a spot knowing you have a place for each part of the money, which is, that's a very cool thing that you're doing. That's going to keep you, you know, you're mindful of what's going on. So I think that would be very helpful. And that would be something you could definitely 
share with our class that would maybe help them, especially coming from another student, it is a little bit easier, right? Because if you can do it, they can do it. So if I'm talking, right, they say, oh, she's always talking all day, but Zombie's talking, right? And they're saying, well, Omni can do this and I can do it. So that's a really cool idea. I like that. Yeah. Now tell her about the jar where you can save and invest. Which which one is that? The financial one. Yeah. Oh, no. With this sometime, anytime, or one time? Mm -hmm. Well, my, and sometimes is, wait. Yeah, his sometime jar is sometimes for save, but he's thinking ahead to invest. That's awesome. That's great. So you're actually thinking of your future, not even the few years ahead of you. You're thinking about long-term where you can actually start investing. And that way, maybe you don't have to work as long as I do ever (laughs) or as long as mom and dad. And that's a really great idea to be able to look at things that people don't realize and teaching them that that's an option. I think a lot of kids wouldn't know that. They would think I'm only saving it because I, my mom says I have to put it in the bank, but that's a really great thing to look for on me. Like long-term, really long-term. That's cool. Yeah, we've been talking about those concepts. So it's something that even as an adult, I am not fully versed in. And yeah. that's why to have him have the opportunity at a young age is something that I feel like takes care of that fear or alleviates yeah. it because the fear is of the unknown. But when you have yeah. been exposed to those, uh, I would say, um, knowledge base, yeah. it helps. No, and I think any type of ideas too really does bring a part of everyone else's brain that's like, wait, my dad's talked about this. My mom's talked about this. My grandma, I've seen this on TV. And then you start to put it together like, oh, that's what investing means. Absolutely. And you're investing in yourself, which I think, especially at this age, everybody is intrinsically about themselves, which they should be because they're little, right? So (laughs) you're also looking at their long-term where they could take care of us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and you know, this goes to, I mean, I didn't mean to get into a sidetrack, but not just about the energy of money, but the energy of how you take care of yourself. Because often as mothers, we realize that, oh, I'm depleting myself. Where can I gain that energy? But what if from a young age, your daughter is exposed to, okay, nurturing yourself is part of the equation of life. No, I think that's a really, and that is something that, as you said, as a mother, it is very, you do put a lot of, you have a lot of stress on yourself, but if you're realizing that actually they could take that part themselves and realize that they're, they're in control of that part. I think that that would be super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. For me, with three of kids too, I tell you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's why I call Sundays like sacred Sunday, where I try to carve out even a little time just for, I would say mindful mom time. Yeah, no, and it's really, and that is that part of taking care of yourself that you, it's easy to tell other people to do it. I tell my friends to do it all the time, but am I the best at doing it myself? Not always, right? <laughs> I know the feeling. I mean, I'm a mindfulness coach, but I, I, I still forget. Yeah, it's one of those where you're like, okay, but now I've got to worry about them taking care of them. So it's really training yourself. Great idea. Yeah. My fourth question for you is, what advice would you give to your younger self about managing money? Oh, there, you know what, honestly, there's a lot of things that I would actually give to myself at this point. But first, I would definitely say that set a specific goal, like you were saying, something that you realistic and that you can, you can do 
setting goals is very important, but when you do not make them targeted where you can actually obtain them, it makes people want to give up. So I think being realistic about setting a goal, and it doesn't always have to be saving for that reason. I think that that was growing up, it was either spending or saving in my mind because I didn't know any different. I didn't know that there was like a middle ground where you could wait a little bit and it didn't have to make a rash decision. So I think definitely setting more attainable, uh, attainable goals. Um, I would just say that sometimes there are going to be times where you really just might be making it month to month. And that's okay as long as you're paying your bills as you're doing it and not overstepping. And a lot of times when you're younger, you don't realize when you leave your parents' house that there are things you don't know they pay for. You forget that, oh, wait, I have to buy shampoo and I have to buy conditioner. And I don't think I realized those types of things of everyday essentials would cut into your budget. So I would say definitely being aware while they would tell us all the time, remember when you go to college, you have to pay for this. I was like, I, that doesn't make sense, right? So definitely understanding what is going to come up, I would say. Um, I would create a budget that includes fun, not just living expenses. And that would actually help you budget better because you don't want to be sitting there sad that you've worked so hard to get everywhere and everyone else is doing something awesome. And you could be doing that where maybe you could have cut it out in another area. So making sure that I carved out a little bit more time for and feeling good about having fun. I think part of it is you feel a little guilty, like you were saying, it is hard to when you do something and you spend your money, you're like, oh, but what happens if, you know, next week, but it's enjoying yourself, especially when you're younger, because you don't have as many um, obligations as you do as a parent. So I would definitely do that. I think another important one would be being understanding about what you want to do in the future. For example, like college, realizing that it's okay for you. Like a lot of kids think I have to go to a private school or an Ivy league school or a UC school, but there's so many awesome state schools and community colleges that you could do that cost a lot less and that will help you in the end. So you don't have as many student loans. So I think that that would be something uh, my parent, we were lucky in a lot of ways. Our parents always wanted us to go to college and we actually all ended up going to the same college, which is so weird. Don't ask me how it worked out because we're all different ages, but um, they didn't go to college. Their whole thing was to get into college. I don't think we even thought about how much money college costs because it was just so important for them, for us to get there. And we were lucky enough that we went to a state school. And so our debts were a lot lower, but I wish I would have known, you know, maybe I didn't need to take all those classes to go to a UC and I could have worked a little bit more. So there's, there's some things that I kind of wish I would have done a little bit more legwork on and understood. Um, and then I think one of the other things is start early to get a good credit rating because you don't really realize even if you're not using a credit card, you do need credit. So once you graduate, even if you have no debt, you don't have any credit. So that was, I'm kind of lucky because my husband's company, uh, dad's company, actually, when we've been together since college, but his dad used to do a uh, check guarantee. So they would do all these things about credit. So I actually got to know a little bit about that. So, but start early with the retirement plan. I was lucky that someone told me like, not just my school's retirement, like, Hey, you don't have any kids now. Make sure you, you know, start another retirement plan. Cause you never know once the money's gone, you'd never even knew it was in there. So you never, so it was a good way to start earlier. I think it's harder to start, uh, 
that kind of retirement plan after you start making the money and you go, oh, wait, I don't want to make less money. I just didn't know it was there. It was yeah, gone. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it just automatically pulled and it's, it's you start it early and you don't even know. It's just out of there. And so you go, oh, it's tax free. And you didn't even know it was there. I think my friends that started later had that struggle because they saw that money in their bank. And then they're like, oh, and I've never even, it's just not there. So I never, when I get my amount each month, so, and just try not to overextend your budget and definitely not use, a, do not extend your credit line. Do not go over an amount that you can't pay off and you can't, you shouldn't, you know, so that's something just to keep your, there's no one to take care of you really, but yourself. So you have to make sure that you're staying within a decent budget where you can save for a rainy day, traveling, something fun, but also everyday life. Now, the interesting thing about budget is even at my age, I struggle with that understanding. I mean, on a logical level, you get it, but yeah. then where do you start the mechanics of understanding where to break down? The interesting thing about his sometime jar, I believe it's a sometime, no, anytime jar that he has created is that that's where the budget, that's the budget jar because that's where the flow of the money is. So let's say by the time you're in college, you're thinking about essentials. Yeah. You know that this, this portion will be essentials. This is where the guilt gets out. Let's say the other jar is for entertainment yeah. or any time, but then you know, I'm not associating guilt with it anymore. No, and that's actually a really good point because we did, we were always taught to, and one of the reasons why I think because my two older sisters played sports in college and they didn't, you couldn't work and go to school and play a sport. So our parents would be like, you need to work really hard in intercession and in the summer. So whatever that summer money was, that was what you had on, you know, what, and they could only help us a little bit. So whatever else was the loan took or whatever they could help us. So that money I knew each month, like, this is what I have. And it really did make it easy because I knew that this was the money I earned. I decided to do good things with it. Or if I made a bad mistake, I'd know that next month, guess what? If I bought an extra sweatshirt at the store, then I know that next month I can't, you know, so yeah. I do think you're right. It would take the guilt out of that because you know that you're allowing yourself to enjoy the money that you've earned, yes. but not just put the, oh my gosh, I can't eat or do this. That's a good point. Absolutely. And I, I'm still learning, but again, going back to the fact that <laughs> if we could teach our children at a younger age that- if this holds so much value. Yeah. Logically. You know, and I think you're right because they're, people are born to like very similar to that. I have, I have one really big saver and I have one just eh, always been like that. And I have one in the middle and it's very interesting. Always has been the m money burning hole in her pocket. Like that would like, Oh, I got it. Like I got to do something. The other one's like, which I can't move this way. So I think that's a, it would be great to be able to instill something into them that they shouldn't feel guilty about spending the money they've earned, but they just need to be putting it in boxes. What's important? What do we need to do to get from A to B? And I think that's a, the jar idea is awesome. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And it probably comes from old school thinking as well from a generation before us where they, they needed to manage money in that way. Yeah. And sometimes when it's right there too, when you see it, you're like, okay, like you're, it, it does kind of calm a little nerves. That's why people sometimes get, have a hard time kids when you put their money in the bank, cause they don't know that you could actually get it out or where does it go? Right. It's just somewhere. 
somewhere. Yeah. If you're, if it's right there at Omni and you have it there in your area, you're like, Oh, that's where it is. No one. <laughs> now I know I could get it if I needed it, but if not, this is where it is. That's kind of a cool idea. It is. It is. Absolutely. I think the last question is actually from me to you. Yes. And being a meditation mindfulness coach, I was curious what form or modalities of mindfulness do you practice? Well, you know, what's funny is actually Omni probably can contest this. I, de I definitely believe in brain breaks and getting up and moving around and stretching and taking deep breaths. And I think, you know, definitely starting out the way that you did Omni is something that I attempt to do with the kids, whether it's physical or mental, because in between things, I know that they need to get up, even though they're like, oh, I'm tired. I'm like, come on, we got to get up because your mind is so involved with your body. So for me, I definitely, especially since I am busy during the school day for the kids, I think it's really important, but it's also important for me too. I think you need to break that pattern of being stuck in one spot. Um, for myself, I, I'm actually lucky enough to, I have an app that I use sometimes for like the calm one I use sometimes. I used to use a different one with my son, but then I started noticing that I was kind of falling asleep. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm getting too calm. I, uh, but I definitely, when I'm exercising, I like the fact that there are specific things you can do with stretching. And I do use a, a yoga app too, that I really like that is not so much stressing about how your body is forming. It's more of like relaxing because sometimes when I try to relax and get too much, I'm too worried about not relaxing. So that is a definitely a hard part for me to calm down sometimes where it's like, okay, now I'm like, am I going to be in trouble in my own mind that I'm listening or thinking about something else? So, yeah. so I, I think that the exercise part of that does help a lot for me. And it's not necessarily every, oh, for being, sometimes I need it just to get a break from being in, you know, I come home and I'm in the car and everyone's like, oh, mom, I need this. So I think when I say I'm going to go exercise, sometimes I'm just going out and I'm taking deep breaths and I'm like, okay, you can make it through this part. And I, so I think being, like you said, mindful of what you have to do, but knowing that if you don't take care of yourself, it gets to be so high that you can't breathe when you wake up. So I, I try, I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I do do it pretty much I'd say four to five times a week, but it's not always as long or, but I try to do something where I'm like, okay, so I don't overreact or get frustrated. So I think that I try. <laughs> but, yeah, and there's this um, well-known uh, meditation or mindfulness coach is Buddhist, Sharon Salzberg. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she talks about something to the effect of small spurts through the day, little chunks. And that is sometimes all you really just need. The movement and the energy, once you get it flowing, your head space gets clear and you can drop into that moment then. You know what's interesting, and this is something you might think is interesting uh, due to the fact that your job is I have seen over the, you know, I started when I was 22 and it's a very different culture and everyone's different now and everything, and whether it's pre-pandemic, anything. But as the years have gone on, I have noticed where once we became very mindful of having the kids work on, we, why this started was we had a student years ago that really struggled with anxiety. And one of the parts of their IEP was to, we had a, um, an OT teacher come in and teach us different ways. And so after a while, we were like, this is cool. And so we would start using it. First of all, it was foreign as years, and as years go on now, if you stand up and you're like, Breathe in the flowers, blow out the birthday candles. Everyone knows what taking a deep breath, way different from 
anything we'd have ever known. So it is, it's inbred in them now. Like they're very aware. I don't have anyone that doesn't close their eyes and take a deeper, like they know now. So I think people are trying to at least change that with their kids, maybe because we all got really nervous growing up, but I think that there's been a good change in culture for that. So hopefully these kids will be able to teach their kids and their friends. It's not looked down upon. It's very much okay, let's take a deep breath. We can do this, you know, believe in yourself. And I really have seen a great positive change in that, which is really neat for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like if we can catch these micro moments of getting in in the moment early for the children, Mm -hmm. it'll help with the future generation with these pandemic, it's not pandemic, but the issues we see in culture where children have anxiety or other issues. If we can nip it in the bud early, I would say with Omni, like when, whenever we get anxious, what does mommy say about our breath? Mm-hmm. Breathe it and then breathe out slowly. Yeah. Our mm-hmm. longest nerve from starting from here all the way down through the heart is the vagus nerve. And when we put our hand on our heart and our other hand on our stomach and we breathe in and out, it massages that vagus nerve and it soothes it, which is directly related to our anxiety. So it just, it's just, and that is really interesting because to see now, not saying that kids, because kids have different, and we're more aware of anxiety now as well, before you would just maybe say bad behavior or whatever, or they're not listening. I do think that there is a change that is positive that has come out of that because when people are nervous now or they're anxious, people other students try to help people instead of being like, oh my gosh, they're so annoying, like how it would have been a long time ago, right? Yeah. Or or relax. It's not that big of a deal. I rarely ever hear anyone say that, which is nice because that means that their feelings are their feelings and they're allowed to feel that way instead of how we, when we grew up and they would say, be quiet, no, don't say anything. Or you try so hard and you'd be so stressed out because you couldn't say anything. I think now people are a lot more understanding and I hope that that continues. So people realize like, Hey, we're all fighting the same battles sometimes on different days, but it helps you calm down and makes you want to keep going to school or going to your baseball game or making new friends. So I think that's really positive. Absolutely. And even expressions like tears, that's welcomed because it's just how you feel in the moment you're just being honest with it. Yeah. And I, and I definitely too, having, um, having a boy is that's a hard. And so I always like, for us, it's never been, oh, you're a boy. You can't cry. Like it was, I always am like say to my daughters when they text me, cause they're at, you know, high school. And I'm like, you'll feel better if you cry. Like you're working so hard and sometimes it's just a release. Sometimes, yeah. yeah, and it sometimes you need to take a nap. Sometimes you need to be around people. Sometimes you don't, but you have to know your own body to realize, okay, this is it's okay to feel this way. Yeah, yeah. What what you said is so true about being tuned in. I feel like Omni has been very tuned in from a young age, and I see very that. good stuff. Like he can also read other people. He can tell when things are very frustrating, or you know, so. And Omni's very good about not being judgmental, which is is a difficult thing as a little kid because after a while, when something happens continuously, yes, a, a very human need is to be like, oh my gosh, seriously, every day. But he doesn't like he's just like it's okay, like he'll you know that. And I think that that's a great thing, Omni, that you have that a lot of other people don't have, and you understand you have that. But your empathy shows yeah. because you're willing to 
drop anything to help someone else, but you can feel, you know, you can feel other people's pain or their happiness. And, but you're, you know, you're very, you are never jealous and mean about something where you see the other kids will get upset sometimes because they didn't win. You are genuinely happy for other people. And I think that that is going to serve you later on because you do feel like that. You want other people to succeed. And that's a great, that's wonderful because you don't have to learn that where a lot of times people are going to have to, a hard lesson to be, there's a difference between being jealous and envious. You can be envious because you want, you know, of course everybody wants to make the team or or win this, but you're happy for someone. But if you're jealous, you're mad and sad. So I think you you do a great job with that. So you should be very proud of yourself. And those emotions come from different places. When there's anger, it's coming from programming in the brain. But if it's coming from a place of creativity and joy, that's coming from the heart and often, we live in a society where people have gone so away from living from a heart-centric approach. I totally agree with you. I think it's, and it becomes very self-centered and very, if you're not looking at the goodness of everyone all together as a team, that is where you are struggling, especially now because you do have to collaborate people. It doesn't mean you have to love their ideas, but you do need to be respectful and understand that everybody has their own opinion. doesn't mean you have to change yours to be like theirs, but being able to listen and maybe say, oh, wait, that's a, how can we incorporate them together? And I think that's what's awesome about you, Omni, is you are a really great team member. You can do things on your own, but you can also be very helpful, which is wonderful. Well, serve them well, because I worked in corporate. And I know coll- collaborating is its own challenge. I mean, don't get me wrong. People have no, great it's, ideas. It's a hard. It's in on it. My older kids will tell you they have a very hard time um, they are usually good teammates, but they end up doing a lot of the work as you get older and it's really hard for them. Right. And you look and you're like, not that you even wanted any of the attention. You're more like, I did all the work and no one turned their stuff in. So it's hard. And it's very hard on people who are, are good teammates when you have the ones who aren't. And that I would say definitely that is a difficulty where speaking up for yourself and saying, you know, I, I worked really hard on this is it's people, I'd always feel like I try to tell my kids, I feel like teachers put people together for a reason, but that doesn't mean that everyone does. Yeah, no, I've been there. I, whether it was senior projects in college, graduate school, or in, in, in corporate, um, yeah, that could be its own podcast show. So. Seriously, that would be a great, because that is the hard, and I would tell you most, and my kids work really hard, and that is, they would be like, that's one thing they liked about the pandemic, that they didn't have to do any group work. So that, you know what I mean? So that was kind of funny where you look and you go, oh, and so they did great, actually. They would have preferred to stay online at this point, but my son was more like, oh, no, he needed to be at school. But I did find it so interesting. They're like, oh, I love it. Now I don't have to do it. And I thought, huh. I didn't really think about how much you disliked it. You know what I mean? So. Absolutely. Well, and this all ties together, whether it's talking about mindfulness and money, mindfulness and communication and team dynamics or empathy, like we were just talking about, or even movement. I was fascinated when you talked about you, you enjoy the movement. That's part of your way of reconnecting. But all of this is all about the energy and how we choose to use it. Yeah. And I think it's, and that could go with the fact of too, because most kids who are dyslexic usually have ADD, not ADHD as much, but ADD and depression or one or the other is kind of like a trifecta. So I think once I know I can't sit that long. 
So I think, hey, if I'm the old lady in this room and I can't sit that long, you guys shouldn't be sitting that long either, right? <laughs> so yeah. I, I see squirreliness. I'm like, okay, we got to get up. <laughs> so I think it's important for them to just be able to also get some, get some of that energy out, that pent up stress where you don't even know it's there. So I think that's good for them. Yeah, I'm so glad he has you as a teacher. Oh, thank this you. It's a fantastic conversation. Oh. Uh, anything else you'd like to share? Or? Mm, no, not really. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. You did awesome. Thank you, Miss Krepsa. We love you so much. Oh, thank you. You guys have a wonderful Sunday. Enjoy. Let your mom have some time, right? Thank You're you. going to help her around the house so that she gets a little bit of mom time. That's good. <laughs> if when a mom is happy we're all happy it's exactly <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for thinking okay. of me thanks for tuning in here's my tip for mindful money management today's tip is manage your money by placing it in jars. Jar number one is sometimes jar number two is one time jar number three is anytime Sometimes means you can sometimes spend money for little things that you want. One time is for things you're really saving up for, and any time is you can spend any time. Thanks again for tuning in, sweet souls. Check out the links in the descriptions, and please take a moment to like, follow, and share, and continue to be omnipresent.